Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Now, you might be asking yourself, Jacqueline, where did all of the great conversations go? Where are the amazing podcast interviews you've been giving us? And I want to say, hold on, they're coming. If you are a listener who loves the conversations I have with incredible women and the occasional man, don't worry. I am in the middle of lots of great conversations that I can't wait to share with you over the next few weeks and months. But for right now, there have been a few things I've been wanting to share with you for a while. Just some things that I hope will help you, especially if you felt like you've been in a bit of a mid-year slump. Now in January, we're so full of hope for the new year. And then sometimes by mid-year, we're just back to trudging through the same old, same old. And maybe we're not even discouraged by the fact that we didn't really reach our goals, but maybe we're just sort of tired, ready for a break or ready for a change. And I get that. But maybe we've even thrown in the towel for things we would have hoped for that would have happened, but they haven't. So we kind of sink back into that discouragement and I also get that. But my hope in this little mini series that um, really is turning out to be on mindset, I hope that you'll begin to see how change so often happens first on the inside. God often works things in and through us before we ever see anything of evidence on the outside. So that being said, I want to share with you a few words or phrases that can be incredibly common that may even be holding you back. They may be keeping you stuck and they may not be serving you well. And as I've shared many times on the podcast, one of my favorite verses is Matthew 12, 34, which says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And because of that, I often focus on the heart. If we want to change our words, we have to go to the source of our words. But sometimes we also have to be aware of the things that we say out of habit. And habits are tricky because by their very nature, we do them without really thinking. So we end up saying something regularly without even being aware of it. Now, I a few years ago, I used to have this habit of texting my husband or saying, just these three letters, um, FML, whenever something went really badly in my life. And you might be familiar with it. If you're not, don't Google it. Um, but until one day, my husband pointed out to me, he said, do you really want to be saying that over yourself? Do you really want to speak that? And I genuinely, honestly, had never thought of it before. I was just repeating this phrase that I heard in popular culture. I never thought, hmm, like what... What does that mean? What am I agreeing with? What am I declaring over my life? 
And Proverbs 13.3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And so often in my life, I have just let whatever I wanted to spill out of my lips without even thinking twice about it. I have a story I may have shared on here before, um, a classic story about how there was a season in my life where I was really trying to get a hold of my complaining. Complaining for me was a habit. It was just something that um, I did very well and very naturally. I naturally have a way of seeing the negative in things. And so there was one particular thing I was getting ready to do um, that summer. And someone was asking me about it. She said, hey, are you excited to, to do this thing? And I'd figured out how to explain to people why I was not only not excited, but I figured out how to explain this to them in kind of a funny way. So I really appreciated the time that I had spent to carefully craft my complaint. And so I explained to this friend, here's why I'm not excited. Here's why it's going to be so hard and da da da. And when I finished, I drove away and I remember feeling so low and feeling like, oh, I just, I've been trying to cut out complaining, but then I just went into my spiel. I just told, I just went into this whole thing I like to talk about in this particular subject, complaining. A few days later, um, I was with a friend at the beach and her husband asked me the same question. He said, oh, okay, so you excited about this thing? And I started giving him my spiel. Here is why, da, 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 it's so funny. And partway through, I stopped and I asked him to ask me the question again. I said, can you ask me that question again? Which makes me look like a little bit of a crazy person. But I realized in that moment, if I actually wanted to stop complaining, I had to actually stop complaining. If I wanted to see a real change in my words, then once I became aware of it, which I did partway through the story... I just had to stop. And so even though me look weird, even though I felt a little crazy, even though it made the conversation kind of awkward, I realized I actually have to change. If I actually want to change, I actually have to change. And this process really is exercising self-control. And we talked about that last week in the episode on offense. Second Timothy 1.7 saying that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-control. And so really, if we think about it like a muscle, like we're going to the gym, at that point in my life, I didn't have a lot of self-control. I was really just used to having a thought come to my head and it came out my lips and especially those things that were habitual. So yes, the biggest change was happening in my heart and that began to change the words that were coming out of my mouth. But I also had to practice self-control with what was coming out of my mouth and it did get easier. Now, does it mean I don't ever complain? No. Does it mean I don't ever fall into bad habits? No, but I am much more aware of it. I also have much more control. I would say very similar, similarly when it comes to gossip and other things like that as well. Okay, so I wanna dive in to a few things we might be saying sort of subconsciously that we don't really realize could be us speaking negatively or holding us back. And the first is a phrase I want to share. And you may not word it quite like this, but you may feel the sentiment. And the phrase is, must be nice. And essentially, this is when we see someone else living their best life. 
They're going on vacation. They're buying a new car. They're going out for dinner again. Must be nice. Or maybe they're getting married, having a baby, getting a new job. Must be nice. Really, the core of must be nice is that we're jealous. Now, jealousy itself isn't a good thing, right? I don't have to convince you of that. But I want to pause for a moment and say, let's let's not try to get rid of the feeling right away. Let's just pay attention to it. Now, I think jealousy can actually tell us something about our heart. It can tell us what we want. And we don't always know what we want in life, but it's a great indicator of something that our heart desires. So first, I can just acknowledge in a moment that I'm jealous, right? I can say, okay, this is... Now, we can't necessarily control those feelings. Sometimes we have a feeling pop up and we're like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. I want to push it away or, or push it down. Or I know this feeling is wrong, so I'm going to try and ignore it. But that's usually not helpful uh, for our hearts. And I want to kind of show you that we can pay attention to a feeling without it ruling us. And then we can actually do a few things about it. So I pay attention and I ask, what is it I'm wanting? Okay, so rather than shove it away, I'm going to spend some time with it. Maybe I'm jealous of someone's vacation. But it might just be that I'm so tired and I really just want a break. And similar to the episode two weeks ago, while I can't change all of my circumstances, I can't just hop on a plane and go to Mexico for multiple reasons, but I can figure out what I can do and and I can take a break. I can figure out how to use my kid-free time well so I'm not just hustling and ticking off a to-do list. But I can make myself an ice cold drink. I can pop in a fancy drink umbrella or a lime wedge. I can put on some music. I can sit in the sun in my backyard. But usually I don't. Usually I just say, must be nice. And instead of finding out what my heart is looking for, I begin to plant a seed of bitterness. And I want to unpack this a little more with a story. I don't think I've shared on here before, but not only does must be nice plant bitterness, it keeps us distant and disconnected from others. Because when we see a highlight of someone else's story, let's say the person who brought, bought a brand new vehicle, and this also hits very close to home, um, I don't see their car payments. I don't see the stress they're carrying and paying off this vehicle. I don't see the extra hours they've worked to make it happen. I don't see the stress this purchase might have on their marriage or even the time they go to park it and they worry about another car dinging it or scratching the sides of the vehicle. I just see something shiny and easy and I want it. We never really see the full picture. We never know the whole story, especially if our must be nice heart and attitude keeps us from engaging with others. And that's really something that jealousy can do. There was a woman in my life a number of years ago. I didn't know super well. I knew her from a distance. And 
her entire life, I would view and say, must be nice. Must be nice. She had the perfect husband, the perfect kids, the flawless skin, the perfect figure. She had such a cool sense of knowing how to dress for the trends and the times. And so logically, I hated her. Like I really did. I would tell people, jokingly, I'd say, oh, that person, oh yeah, I hate her. And it sounds awful to say, but it was the truth in my heart. I would say, yeah, isn't it? It's justified because her life is so easy. Everything comes so easily to her. Um, I have a um, blog post I can actually link in the show notes that goes into this a little bit more about how even our our birth stories literally overlapped with um, a similar, yeah, our birth stories were very different. I won't get into that now, but I'll, I'll link it in the show notes if you want to know more. There were just a lot of reasons to, um, in my mind, that justified not liking this person. Her life was so shiny and so easy. And I would say this to my husband, and again, he does not let me get away with being the worst version of myself. And he would say something like, you know, she actually has a lot of, a lot of hard things going on in her life. Like there's actually been some, some hard times and I'm like, yeah, right. Well, it doesn't really matter because her skin is flawless or, you know, she's, um, has the perfect outfit. So I'm sure those hard things aren't really that hard. Well, I found out a few years later that actually they were, and there was even more hard things. And I remember thinking at a later date when God had healed some of the hard places in my heart, I wonder what have ha- what would have happened if I had taken the time to get to know her instead of just saying, must be nice, instead of letting my jealousy grow, instead of just asking like, what do I, what do I want here? And maybe, maybe what I wanted was some clearer skin. And so I could have taken the time to wash my face more or watch what I was eating um, if that was affecting my skin, right? Instead, I just saw this image of something that was easy and perfect and I really really allowed this um, seed of jealousy to grow in my heart which produced bitterness and Hebrews 12 14 and 15 says make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness no one will see the Lord see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So now when I identify a seed of jealousy, I ask the question, what do I want? But then I don't stay there. I give it to God because he knows not only what I want, but he knows what I need. And sometimes As every parent knows, giving someone what they want isn't the best thing for them. And I find myself recognizing, and if I find myself recognizing jealousy towards someone, I do all the things. I spend that time. What are are these feelings trying to tell me? I give it to God. And then I pray for them because I now know that I don't know the entire picture and this choice to um, kind of transform that place of of jealousy of oh that 
that seems so easy and nice to be able to pray for that person. It actually changes my heart, my heart posture. It keeps my heart soft instead of planting that seed of jealousy and bitterness. Okay, moving on. Phrase number two. Phrase number two is the phrase, I'm just a person who, and you can fill in the blanks. For me, I might say, I'm just a person who stays up late or can't wake up early, doesn't go camping, doesn't hike, doesn't write, doesn't speak. And when we use this phrase, I'm just a person who, it really is incredibly limiting for us. And we see all throughout the Bible where God took each person who wasn't always necessarily naturally gifted in an area or even walking in one path, and he called them to something else. And in fact, I think there's so much God wants to do in and through us, but we close the door on him through declaring these limiting statements about who we are. And I want to suggest, how about we flip the script? So instead of saying, I'm just a person who, we begin to say, I've never done that before, but I could try. We're so often afraid of change and failure. We fear the unknown. We fear the what ifs. No one, absolutely not a single person in the history of the world has ever known how things would all turn out. Yet we want to know it all before we make a move. And there is a solid chance that God wants to do something in your life that feels incredibly uncomfortable. And we have to begin to let go of those limiting beliefs about ourselves. Really, they are excuses. Things like, I'm shy. I'm too shy. I can't do that. Or I don't know how to do that. I think often we get stuck in that place of we don't have the skills or the knowledge. And so we stop. One I've used is I'm not good with technology. Or another really common one is I'm afraid. And what I've tried to do over and over in the last few years is just to flip the, I don't know how to do it, to I'm willing to try. I might fail, but I would rather fail spectacularly than regret not doing the thing at all. And so often I think God is just inviting us into something so much bigger than we could ever imagine for ourselves, but we limit him with our hard heart no. And I get it because it's scary to step out there. It's scary to say yes. The very first time someone asked me to send them some of my writing, they wanted me to send them a potential blog post. It took me six months to build up the courage to send something. When my book Tangled came out and and it was on Amazon, I told no one and I cried actual tears of fear that people would read it. Um, My husband told me I was allowed to cry for the weekend, but by Monday I, I had to get over it and I had to share. Again, I'm thankful that he does not let me be the worst version of myself. When this podcast came out, I didn't want to tell anybody about it. Every single thing I've stepped out in, I have done in fear 
fear of rejection, fear of failure. And I've had to move past or through those fears and say, I'm actually more afraid of missing out. I'm more afraid of missing the incredible things God has for me, even in the midst of failures, even in the midst of the disappointments, even in the midst of the rejection. Because even though I am limited, even though I can't make things happen on my own, God is not limited. He can do abundantly more than we can ever ask for, hope for, or imagine in our lives, truly. So let's not put limits on him. Let's throw off what we thought things would look like, our limited view of ourselves, our limited expectations, and let's lean hard into him and all that he has for us. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about is the word but there's almost nothing good that comes after but. I would do that thing, but. But is essentially an excuse. It seems like a good opportunity, but. Now, I'm not saying in this entire episode that we have to become yes people. I actually think it's often harder to say no and to discern a yes from a no. However, similarly to the limiting statements I just talked about, but is just that. And going back to our heart, we just have to ask ourselves, where are we saying but in our heart? I believe God can do what he's promised in my life, but it just feels so impossible. But is very subtly planting seeds of doubt. And is it wrong to doubt? No, everyone doubts. It's just what we do with the doubt that makes a difference. Are we standing firm on our doubt or are we taking it to him? He can handle all of our doubt, all of our discouragement, all of our fear. We can absolutely wrestle our doubts out with him. We just don't want to get stuck there. Is but regularly coming out of your mouth? Is it blocking faith in your life? Now I want to share kind of an obscure passage of scripture with you. <clears throat> it's 1 Kings 7, 1-2. There was a famine in the land at the time and there was this guy named Elisha who was speaking on behalf of God and he was talking to this guy who was an officer of the king of that land and he was saying, Everything around them was going to turn around miraculously in 24 hours. So we've got a famine. Things are real bad. If you read 1 Kings uh, chapter 6 and 7, you'll see things were really bad. Um, and so Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sia of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? Okay, so again, if you're not familiar with the story, I want you to go check it out and read First Kings 6 and 7. It really is this amazing story. But here is a moment where someone is really sharing a but. 
He's saying, even if the floodgates open, there is no way. And really, this officer was limiting God. In his mind, there was absolutely no way the circumstances could change. He says, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? Um, and that's what I love about God. Even when we doubt, even when we don't believe, he's like, I can do it anyways. Just watch and see. And their circumstances, their circumstances did miraculously change in 24 hours. But obviously, every time we pray, we don't see the answers to our prayers that we want. And going back to what I said earlier, God giving us what we need, but God is often giving us what we need by his grace, but not always what we want. Rather than allowing but to plant seeds of doubt in our hearts, let's cut out the but and plant seeds of faith. Even if, even if we don't see the evidence, that is faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. That's faith. We're hoping for and believing for something we don't see. And that's why we want to cut the butt out. We don't want to limit our faith. We want to grow it. We don't want to be like the officer who is sharing the even if God opened this, how could he do it? Well, we don't want to limit God with the words we say about him or the words we say about ourselves. The last thing I want to leave you with is from Proverbs 18.21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. It really is powerful, the words we say over ourselves. Um, a friend of mine was sharing recently about an experiment she did with her kids with two different containers of rice. And I wish that I had done this so I could give you firsthand experience, but um, I trust her. And you can you can look this up on YouTube. You take two, two containers of rice and put them in one room. And then every day, take one of the containers out that you have labeled life. And you take it to another room and you speak life to it. You just say good things like, you're good rice. Look at you grow. Way to, way to be rice. Whatever you want to say to this rice. And then you put it back into the room. Then you take the other container, take it into another room and you speak death over it. So you just speak whatever um, negativity, maybe things that normally come out of your mouth. Um, speak death over it. Then you bring it back. And what is amazing is that the rice that you speak death over actually begins to have kind of a black mold that grows on it. And I want to try this with my kids soon so we have a visual of what it looks like to speak life and death. And we've heard people talk about that idea of plants growing um, when we speak kindly to them. And so I think it's a really good visual for us um, to speak not only to the people around us, I think um, 
I'm a mom of three kids. I'm always aware of the things I'm speaking to my kids. So we can think about that. But also, what are we speaking over ourselves? What are the words we're saying? And I think um, God really wants the words from our lips to align with the truth of who he is and who he has declared us to be. And it's not easy. If we want to change, we sometimes mid-sentence, mid-story, mid-thought have to change. And it can be awkward and uncomfortable. But change is never comfortable. However, it is always worth it. I trust this episode has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive. And I hope that episode was helpful for you today. If you want to dive a little bit deeper on kind of unpacking some of the things that are going on in your heart, uh, first off, I have a free resource for you. It is a lies versus truth free downloadable available through a link in the show notes or my website, JacquelineWider.com. Or you can check out my course, Tangled, that truly is going to give you a deep dive into what is going on with your heart so you can begin to uproot those things that are really coming out of your mouth. And so you can also grab that through the show notes or in JacquelineWidener.com. I'm always rooting for you and my hope is that um, you won't just listen to these words, but really that God would be speaking to you and you would be experiencing transformation in your heart. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you are listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.